welcome to the People Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.com. Yeah, 2,500. Appreciate you jumping on there, doing those Google reviews. Uh, I'm Vic Nazar here on the People Show. You can always chime in, be part of the show. 650 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Kevin Woodley will join the show in the second half. We'll get into a bunch of uh, goalie conversations, including Thatcher Demko uh, as well, amongst others. The Eastern Conference playoff race right now. Real tight. I know a few weeks ago, even myself saying, hey, this is kind of boring. Florida jumps out, Devils go in. Everything else looks kind of settled. You look at it right now, Washington clinging on with 57 games played, 62 points. Pittsburgh's got 63 points. Those are the two wildcard teams, but they've only played 53 games. You go through it then, Florida's at 62 and 58 games played. Islanders have 61 and 57. Detroit, 60 and 54. Buffalo, 58 and 53. Ottawa, 55 and 53. It's tight over there with all those extra games played by Washington. So we'll kind of focus on some Eastern Conference goalies with Woodley uh, later on. Obviously, touch on Thatcher Demko as well. Uh, but a lot to get into. And we'll preview tomorrow's goalie, Carter Hart, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, see how he has progressed this season. It feels like there's a reclamation of form for Carter Hart as well. So we'll get on to all that with Kevin Woodley. Also joining us for a bit, too, uh, Joan Probert will join us from the Canadian Golf Expo uh, next weekend. It's the Western Canadian Golf Expo at the Tradex in Abbotsford. Our guy, Randy Janda, will be on hand uh, for a couple of panels at that expo, uh, so we'll talk to Joan in just a little bit, uh, give you a preview of what's to come uh, over at the Tradex in Abbotsford next weekend. I want to start, though, with the tweet. Yeah, the tweet, Alan Walsh's tweet uh, from last night, causing quite the stir amongst the hockey community. And, look, Alan Walsh has done this before, obviously, and he's – Fighting for his client, which is what you want all of the time. If you haven't seen the tweet or haven't heard about it just yet, I'll read it out for you here. Uh, talking about his client, Jonathan Huberdeau, although he didn't use the name, says, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Also, negativity sucks the joy right out of the player CC. NHL Flames, their Twitter account, tagging them. So Alan Walsh drops the big bomb, and it's protecting his guy, Jonathan Huberdeau. Now, I would say, is the definition of insanity insanity also Huberdeau's defensive play? Because, boy, does that struggle. Season after season after season. Now, the underlying numbers this season have obviously improved. That's also the environment in which Calgary plays. They're going to be a bit more low event than they were in Florida last year. But let's not pretend Jonathan Huberdeau is scratching towards the Selkie Trophy or anything like that. And you signed up for this. Get traded to Calgary. Going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season. But $10.5 million per season gets dropped on your lap. 
And what do you say? Hey, $84 million is hard to say no to, even in a new destination, even with a curmudgeon coach like Daryl Sutter, who time and time again is able to get the most out of players. But you're going to have to go through this. And even Huberto today kind of def- deflecting uh, the whole scenario, saying, hey, didn't come from me uh, when talked about the tweet. And just mention, hey, Daryl is Daryl and does say that we have a good relationship. But nevertheless, this is what you signed up for. And I don't really understand the pushback at this stage. What, did you think 58 games into a season? Now you realize Daryl Sutter's at times very rigid in his coaching style? You play his way or you don't play. Simple as that. But for eight years, this is what you signed up for. I have less sympathy when you are complaining about the bed that you sleep in. Money talks, of course. $84 million is great. But don't pretend like you didn't see this coming. It's the People Show. Bick Nazar. A lot to catch up on today. Great stuff from Rick Talkett last night. If you haven't tuned in to the podcast feed on Canuck Central, Talkett sat down with them uh, after they went off air yesterday. Uh, so it wasn't live on Canuck Central from Dyson Ice yesterday. Great event as always. Again, shout out Randy Janda uh, hosting that one. I'm giving Randy a lot of love today on the People Show. <laughs> Talkett sat down with Satin Dan. And did a 12-minute uh, discussion, and, and they really got into some things that, you know, we're all focusing on the, the, the talk at terminology right now and things that are important to him. And they really got into a lot of different uh, aspects of what's improved, what path he continues to chart for them, and any details, again, that short-term right now, yeah, results are one thing, but it's all about building towards something bigger for... Rick Tockett. And mentions they're going to have to take it into the teeth a little bit. In the long run, I think it's the way that we got to go, and I'm all in on that. And so, you know, we've said this, or I've said this multiple times too on the postgame show. This is a really important stretch. I know it's at end of season, and we're looking at it and saying, all right, lottery, and just get to the next next season and 27 games to go. What do you try to even get out of these games here? And the Canucks are obviously having their struggles results-wise. But for where they're going, this stretch here, it's akin to last year. But last year, the whole contract situation with Boudreaux kicked it into this year. It should have been the evaluation period. All right, now we know who's sticking, who's going. We can move on. That's what this season is now. And for Talkit, you have to go through, while it's going to be tough love, you have to go through this, and you have to be willing to accept a certain level of uncomfortableness for a lot of these players, because from Rick Tockett's eyes and from the team's eyes, whoever doesn't survive this stretch, we've determined, we've provided answers. And you have to go through this process of weeding out those who don't belong. It's, it's open tryouts, basically. I know they got contracts, and I know this is professional sports, but this is essentially tryouts. Are you going to survive, and is the coach going to call your name at the end of the season and say, hey, welcome to next year's team? Or is this going to be very much like this guy, this guy, this guy, bye-bye? And you you listen to that whole interview and also some of the non-negotiables he's talked about that we heard. I'll play a clip back here in just a second and some of the things that he's detailing. But this should be an exciting time for a lot of these players to try to extend the, the 
try to apply the teachings from Rick Tockett, Adam Foote, and Sergei Gonchar, the newer teachings. Obviously, there's staff that have retained, but their terminology and their application of it, it's on you to try to flush out onto the ice. I want to play a couple things back from Rick Tockett because uh, we focus so much on wall guys, obviously. But he highlighted a play uh, with uh, Put Colson, who did it – one of the first games uh, under Rick Tockett in that New Jersey game. We're sorry, one of the first games back uh, from the All-Star break. Here is uh, Rick Tockett talking about something Put Colson did, and I want to talk about a play that he had just recently against Detroit as well. Here's Rick Tockett. Well, what exactly do you see when, when you talk about that specifically, a wall guy and an inside guy? I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. We're playing Jersey in Jersey, and um, you know we're, we had a really good game. There's two minutes left. Jack Hughes was still on the ice, mm-hmm. and the puck was rimmed to Pod Colson. And if he doesn't get that puck out, we have tired guys on the ice. Jack Hughes gets that puck, right. could be trouble. And he did a reverse pinch. The way his technique was really good, he got that puck out. And uh, for me, for me, that play there is as good as scoring a goal. Right. Like, I don't think, I shouldn't say I don't think, I value that as much as anything. Uh, like, our staff values that. You want your teammates to value that. You know, everybody always looks at, hey, who scores the goal? But who's doing those little things? And Pod Colson, who's a young guy and still learning, you know, he's he's still trying to get himself to stay in the NHL. That's a big play, and we praised him for that. We got it out. We survived that mm-hmm. shift. So that's what a good wall guy does. You know, when when and it's also the technique. That's why the, the twins are good at it is, you know, how do you def- how do you when you know the puck's coming? How do you take a guy's hands when the guy right. pitches on you instead of they, they keep the puck in? Great stuff there from Rick talking again last night on the Canuck Central podcast. And that's the thing we're all keeping an eye on, right? It's like all these little plays that they're trying to value. Now it's a young player, makes it work on that play. Just a couple of games later against the Red Wings, play on, on the Fabry goal, the 3-1 goal. It all starts with Pitt Colson not not having a strong play along the, the top wall. And allow Detroit to recycle this possession. They keep it in the zone, work it around. Reds Moosin uh, gets it deep, and it's the play that ultimately Colin Delia just kind of drops it. But all starts along your own wall, and these are the things we're going to keep an eye on and and be so focused on outside of the results and outside of the goals, obviously. And take a lot of the highlights. It's all these value plays for Rick Tockett that you hear it in, in the conversation of these are the things that are massive for us and these are the things that are as important as goals for us. Uh, whoever withstands this furnace blast uh, running out the rest of the season is are going to be the ones that hang out here. And one of the ones we're, we're keeping an eye on now of who's going to be hanging out is Thatcher Demko. Obviously the report last night may have suffered a setback. We're all on pins and needles to see when he does make his return here. And it, it launches into this conversation of, okay, the organization is where they're at right now. 27 games left in the season. We know they're not going to the playoffs. That's done. And, and there's this eagerness from fans. And, and look, hey, myself too, I've been bringing up the uh, lotto watch every single night. And we're keeping an eye on how the Canucks can improve their draft odds. And when you see a setback for Thatcher Demko, you say, okay, you know what? 27 games We'll see what the severity of any setback is still to to be determined, but the initial reaction, and I feel it can be a bit premature at times for fans to say, shut him down, shut him down. Right now, the only thing that's important in the organization is improving the draft lottery odds. That's all that matters right now. And 
you know, as an organization, yes, you want to be able to move in one direction. All the decisions making, you know, tailor towards one specific idea of what you're trying to accomplish as a team. And yet, I, in in instances, you can have rules, but you got to have a little bit of flexibility to this a little bit as well, because you have to remember you're still dealing with people that want to compete. That's why I push back on tanking all the time, because it's it's willingly deciding to turn off the faucet of competition. And this is also an organization where we're talking about these players right now don't compete enough. And if Thatcher Demko can work his way back, even post-setback here, if, if it's even a, a massive setback, if he's able to get to a stage where he can play a couple of games here this season, you have to let him back on the ice. As much as people want to say, shut him down, Worry about next season right now because that's where the overall position of the organization is going. I worry about the idea of not letting someone compete that's working so hard to get back into it if he can do it. Okay, That's the, the big caveat here. If he works himself into a position where he is, again, ready to play a game or two or four or five, whatever it is, I think it's a bit premature to look at this and say, shut him down right now. The ability to let him compete is going to be something I think that's going to be key because you don't want to be the type of the organization that says, hey, you know, all the work that you put in doesn't really matter right now. We want an extra 2% in the draft lottery odds. How's that going to sit with the guy who's already been here through this organization? Remember all the other things that have, you know, he's fought for, goalie coach to be extended, and the, the hard wishes of the team that didn't double down on itself from the bubble and say, hey, we, we let a couple of guys walk. You don't want to be the organization that have already crossed some of these lines and continue to plant the seed of doubt and how serious is this organization right now. This guy gets himself back in to play one game, two games. Uh, I think you do have to let Thatcher Demko back onto the ice despite everyone clamoring for the improvement of draft lottery odds, uh, which uh, we'll take a look at tonight how it's going. That was a heartbreaker last night. Just a heartbreaker. Uh, the San Jose Sharks uh, losing in regulation to the Vegas Golden Knights with 16 seconds to go. Uh, tonight's a big one. Chicago at Ottawa. One to keep an eye on. And uh, the Anaheim Ducks are hosting the LA Kings. Uh, is the other one to keep an eye on this evening as well. Big Nazar and uh, we'll connect with Kevin Woodley in just a bit, but right now let's connect with Joan Probert from the Canadian Golf uh, Western Canadian Golf Expo, uh, canadiangolfexpo.ca if you want more details. It's next weekend at the Trade X, February 24th and 25th. If you want to buy tickets, again, canadiangolfexpo.ca. Our own Randy Janda going to be on hand for it, hosting a couple of panels, and uh, there's going to be plenty to uh, get into with Joan, who joins us now. Joan, how are you? I am excellent. Thank you. Uh, an exciting time getting ready for a massive event uh, happening at the Trade X. Yes, this is the the event to kick off your golf season. Uh, so, you know, a lot of vendors obviously on hand. Uh, who is going to be there for this event that people can get excited about, either for the vendor's perspective or people on hand for, for panels or just open discussion? 
Well, we have um, we have a 12 bay driving range, and we're featuring all of the kind of major club brands there, like Shrixon, Cleveland, PXG, um, Haywood Golf Clubs. There's a whole bunch of them being featured in the range, so uh, attendees can come down and test the newest 2023 equipment. Uh, we also have a huge retail section, and we have uh, at least 12 different uh, brands and vendors represented there, as well as uh, the Travis Matthews bus. So that is super fun. Lots of people love those clothes. Uh, so we've got a lot going on. Plus we have 60 vendors on the show floor. That's awesome. Uh, you, you say 12 uh, vendors over by the driving range. So it's, it's great to see all the expos and everything, but people are, are going to be able to get their hands on some equipment and, and, and try to test it out. They're going to be able to hit balls in a in an actual indoor driving range. Yep, and they're going to be able to try their hand at uh, closest to the pin longest drive contest as well as a putting contest. Yeah, the longest putt of the day. Uh, successful attempts going to be uh, getting prizes through the course of the day. So plenty of things to do for people outside of just you know shopping. It, it, it's going to be a a, com a bit of a competitive environment as well. Yes, and we have the 19th hole lounge set up right beside the driving range, so your friends can sit in the lounge and watch you hit balls. I was just going to say, it feels like a family affair as well. If there's one person in the family want to get out on a Saturday, you can hang out at the lounge while someone's uh, uh, taking shots at the driving range. Absolutely, and there's a full uh, food court at the venue as well, offering lots of different selections for food, so that's covered for the day as well. Uh, and people are buying tickets online. And again, if you do want to go to the event, you can jump online at CanadianGolfExpo.ca and click the Western tab. Uh, they can also win a trip as well if they're buying their tickets online. Yeah, we've got a really cool cool uh, trip to be won. Anyone who buys their tickets online in advance is entered to win um, a trip away a golf to a Golf BC destination in Whistler uh, with a round of golf and a hotel stay. And they get to drive there in a Tesla. Uh, and, and not the only thing that's going to be, you know, experiences, there's going to be an auction there as well. I, I don't know how much you can share about what's available at the auction with us here right now. Yeah, you bet. We've got some great things. So all the show uh, vendors are participating in the auction. There's some fantastic prizes. It's going to be up on a big screen, so very much like a big Vegas sports book uh, with over 50 items in the auction to be bid on. The auction opens at 3 o'clock on Friday and closes at 4 o'clock on Saturday. And you can participate for the whole time. Uh, once you log in to the auction site. Uh, again, plenty to do at the Canadian Golf Expo at the Tradex next weekend, um, the 24th and 25th. Our own Randy Janda could be hosting a couple of panels on the Friday. So there's a big seminar stage as well. There is, there is, yes. And uh, we uh, have Darcy Rhoda is coming to talk to us on Friday night. Uh, we've got, um, we're working on a very special guest, someone that was very popular last weekend at the uh, Waste Management uh, Golf Tournament, hopefully a local boy, uh, yet to be determined, but we're working on that special guest. Uh, we have fashion shows, we have seminars uh, on body conditioning for your your golf game, uh, lots of things going on on the seminar stage. Uh, you mentioned Darcy Rhoda again for hockey fans are the Abbotsford Canucks also going to be on hand the Abbotsford Canucks are going to be there yep and they're going to be giving away a lot of swag they've actually got a fantastic prize in the auction it's a suite for 14 um, in a private suite all expenses paid for an Abbotsford Canucks game uh, that's stellar again uh, CanadianGolfExpo.ca if you want to find out more uh, or just Go to the event at the Tradex uh, next Friday uh, at 3 o'clock. Again, doors open on Friday and Saturday at 10 a.m. till 4. You can get all details on ticketing. Uh, adult tickets are $14 online. Uh, so jump in there. Joan, we appreciate it, and uh, have fun with the expo. 
Thank you so much. Great stuff. A lot to get into still remaining here on the People's Show. On the other side from In Goal Magazine, In Goal Radio Podcast, and NHL.com, our bi-weekly look at goaltending around the league and including uh, Kevin's thoughts on uh, Thatcher Demko, what to do uh, with him if he is coming back. And we're, look, we're still in limbo, obviously. Still want to see uh, the full medical examination of Thatcher Demko after yesterday's practice. Uh, we'll get Kevin's thoughts on what to do, when to return for Thatcher Demko. It's all coming up here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. in just a moment. And I actually want to bring something else back uh, from the Rick Tockett interview, again, from Canuck Central. It's been one of the other focuses. And when you're in the rink, and especially from our vantage point, uh, you can kind of hear the audio come up from the, the, the ice level. And, you know, defensive lapses have off, often happened, and I've wondered a lot if, hey, communication, is it an issue? And as you go through this new system that they're trying to install, you know, Sat asked Rick Tockett specifically about one of the goals, and he kind of knew what he was talking about and just discussing how they are, I think the term they use is flexing out, and how they start to chase after certain pucks and filling in the rotations and all that sort of stuff. But Rick Tockett does go on to highlight and we got a bit of a quiet team, and, and that's one of the things that really strikes out to me is all uh, a lot of the time is this team at times, because they struggle defensively, they don't look like they're on the same page, are they communicating as well on the ice to be able to help each other out and solve some of these problems in real time? They play as if there's a certain chemistry defensively, it's like, oh, yeah, don't worry, we got it covered. I know if you're going to do this, I got you covered. And if you do that, I, I'll do this. And given the amount of goals that they give up, there's a lot of confidence defensively that they have amongst themselves uh, that never se- never seems to actually produce results. And I do wonder if sometimes it comes down to communication. And listen to this answer when talking about, hey, that, that process of, of pressuring the puck and flexing out. Uh, Rick Talk had mentioning that. They got a bit of a quiet team at times. Here's Rick Tockett. Probably the hardest thing with new systems is when, you know, it's the cr- I hate crossing pass mm-hmm. goals, and we've, and I know in the past they've given up a lot, and I want to shore that up. It's it's really a def- decision between the defense and your F three, which will be your low forward. Right. It's probably most ninety percent of the time it's the centerman, mm-hmm. but usually it's the low forward, and it's be able to 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 recognize okay. Who's going to flex out? Sometimes, it, most of the times, it's probably the defenseman and the center would take the middle. Not always, but it's a communication. You know, I find this team's a quiet team. Um, I'm a big communicator, and it's amazing a half a second in this game what it does. So, it's, you know, we're talking to the guys on the ice. When you could tell the guy, I got him, and I go, mm-hmm. with conviction and urgency, you can get out there and flex out on the guy. 
whether you block the shot or you know pick stick on puck but if you're late right that's what happens right you're a little late because nobody's communicating and both guys look at each other so but that's that's going to take time mm-hmm. i mean that's just uh you know that's habits you know and um you know that's kind of what we're trying to do now good stuff from rick talkett Again, you can check it out uh, on the podcast feed. I'm gassing them up today. They're coming up at 4 o'clock as well with their Friday edition of the show. Uh, but Dan sat uh, good stuff with Rick Tockett on their podcast feed. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, a bunch of things with uh, Kevin Woodley, including uh, what's going on with Thatcher Demko as well. Uh, he joins us now from In Goal Radio Podcast, In Goal Magazine, and NHL.com. Woodley, what's going on? Well, my UBC pick, I uh, was out here for a Flyers practice that wasn't supposed to happen, but if anybody saw the way Philadelphia laid an egg in Seattle, it was, I mean, this was, this was as predictable as rain in Vancouver. As soon as they, as soon as they sucked in Seattle, you knew Torch was going to make them skate today. And my God, did they make them skate hard. So, um, whole bunch of like drive the net, compete, battle, a lot of yelling, like, you know they're going to come out like they've been shot out of a cannon tomorrow night after this skate today. Uh, so, actually, let's start with Carter Hart then. Uh, we'll preview uh, the goaltending matchup, uh, or hopefully the goaltending matchup with Carter Hart. Um, just in general, his season, because, you know, it started so hot with how Philadelphia was playing, and then they predictably went into a bit of a swoon. But here they are kind of battling again. Just the, the, the steps he's taken this season and, and to be able to have that level of turbulence, I guess, in your season and still kind of come out as a positive on the other end. Yeah, you know, and, and like, a real positive. Like, mm-hmm. Carter Carter right now, I know the season, like you said, it's had some dips, but I got him, like, flirting with top 10 and adjusted goal saved above expected. Like, he's had a good season, and, and up until last night, um, was trending in a very good direction again. I, you know, listen, like, there's probably some lessons here for myself included. Uh, he broke in early to the NHL, and I even wrote stories, so sort of holding him up at – him and Mackenzie Blackwood, see if you can follow the similarities here, um, as examples of guys who were going to sort of break down this barrier of goalies taking longer, goalies needing longer to develop. And um, I thought Carter and Blackwood, and then that was one of the reasons that Demko's camp wanted him up sooner was because guys that were of that age were getting these opportunities I think a Spencer Knight sort of following them in Florida, guys that I thought would just be able to skip the steps of experience and step right in, um, you know, and it went well for a while, uh, but not forever. And part of that may have been the team he played behind, but we've sort of seen it with all those guys, like everybody on that list, uh, maybe minus Demko until this season. I think that's more injury related. Like Mackenzie Blackwood took a step back after a couple of good seasons. Um, Spencer Knight struggling a little bit this year again some of that due to injury but it hasn't you know it's it's just really hard to go straight in the NHL and stay there and I've had a couple theories when it comes to Carter over the years one one is and this is something the Canucks need to consider if, if indeed they're serious about trading Thatcher Demko at any point here the importance of having a mentor um, the importance of a guy who's been in that number one role before for right. a young goaltender coming up Carter never had that you look at Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay with Ben Bishop. He's talked about the importance uh, of Bishop to his development. Uh, Jay Gottinger, and hey, guess what? Ben Bishop again in Dallas. Um, you know, I, I think even at Edmonton, a lot of people, because of the season and the start that Stuart Skinner had, a lot of people were like, oh, man, you didn't need to side Jack Campbell. Um, but in addition to the mentorship of Mike Smith last year, 
and he really did take him under his wing in a lot of different regards, talking to both of them. Uh, I don't think you can expect Jack, or sorry, Stuart Skinner to step in and do what he did this year without having that experienced guy alongside him. Not only just you know whether it's mentorship or just sort of taking some of that pressure off as a guy who you know has been there, done that in the number one role, and I guess in that case is expected to be the guy. It, it's really hard to just step in and be in the NHL and have success. It's that much harder to step right in and be a number one guy. And it just seems like maybe it's taken a little longer for Carter to get back to what he showed in that first year, year and a half. And, and to be honest, here locally, like I know we've talked about this with someone like Spencer Martin, and I'm not suggesting Spencer Martin is going to be Carter Hart or anything like that. But when once the injury happened to Thatcher Demko, like my big concern was like mental fatigue of being thrust into this spot where a the spotlight's constantly on you, and it's not just you're a starter netminder now; it's you're a starter netminding in Vancouver, and there's going to be so much focus on your play all the time. And I think the mental uh, I don't want to say anguish, but the mental toll of it all uh, will catch up to you when it translates to your physical play. Is that something that you've noticed in, in Martin's game prior to the the waving? Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly when you have a streak like he did in terms of the losses, it's gonna it's gonna have an effect mentally. It's gonna lead you to maybe second guess, guess elements of your game, and I, you know, I think there's times where he's trying to find that line between being a little calmer. Um, but having had so much success, success as a guy who battles and competes, and you know sometimes that means being on the edge of aggression. And I think behind this Canucks team, that aggression positionally and sometimes just sort of like coming out and challenging guys um, worked early. But this year, you know, guys are just passing it around them a fair bit, and 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 part of that is at times you could say over aggression, but that was sort of part of his game, like that battle level. And part of it is, you know, when he did do that, like, teams just moved the puck east-west. Mm -hmm. And the more aggressive you are, the harder it is to recover that position. And when your team doesn't defend east-west and gives up those, like, doesn't have anybody on that back door, you get exposed in a hurry. So I do think there's mental, there, there but there's, the other part that comes with being the guy is you lose the time to work on your game. Like, right. it's just the reality. You're managing rest instead of managing your game. I know there are elements of Spencer's game that they planted they plan to continue to chip away at this season. A lot of sort of stance mechanics, um, trying to get him a little higher in the chest, not so hunched over, which, you know, then the hands pull back, you lose the hands a little bit, you tend to commit uh, a little sooner to the ice. And they just lost that time. Like, it just gets gone. Once he's the guy, you know, you're into sort of survival mode, not build your game mode uh, as a goaltending coach for Ian Clark. And you're just trying to get him through the next start as opposed to, chipping away on things that'll make him better long term and having that time to grind away at it because you need to, you know, um, focus on your your body as much as your game. And I think that's been part of, you know, the formula that's led to this as well here in Vancouver. Uh, the other goalie, Thatcher Demko, suddenly in, in the picture of the conversation today, the expectation was, hey, back up tomorrow against Philadelphia. News today that there's a setback. And, you know, I was kind of starting off the show with – uh, the idea that we like we get so focused on the idea of like as an organization, what direction are they heading, and everything has to fall in line with that. And so if if the team's losing right now, and even Rick talking saying, "Hey, we're gonna take it in the teeth a bit," and results are are being a bit downplayed, it's okay if we don't start someone like that. Your Demko, like that idea of hey, losses are okay right now. Don't rush this guy back. And I think we forget the idea that like these are these people's jobs, and they want to go out and compete. And you're kind of breaking away from the identity of a player to not be able to get them out there for 
whatever it is, three games, four games, one game. But this idea that, no, okay, now that if the season's wrong and Demko had a setback, you just shouldn't bring him back at all. I don't like that idea, even if it's just one game that he manages to get back from. What concerns do you have right now of him trying to come back at this stage of the season? Yeah, no, I mean, I saw the report. Obviously, I was at practice yesterday, to be honest. I uh, went into cruise control quite literally and started driving towards Rogers Arena yesterday. Got almost there before I turned around and went to UBC where the practice was. So I actually, by minutes, missed Demko leaving the ice, Mm -hmm. missed missed the reported stick smash and yelling as he left. So obviously, you know, according to those that were there, he wasn't that happy about it, which makes you think, yeah, maybe he felt something. I'm going to wait and see till tomorrow to see to what degree. Um, You know, he said it when he talked to us earlier in the week, like, you know, this could be a year from now um, and there's still going to be a little bit of uncertainty. So maybe it's something small he felt and got off and was frustrated. And after a day, it's no big deal. Or maybe it's more than that. And so, I can't speak to, to, to what degree we're talking about or whether this is something that's a serious concern or not. At the end of the day, once he gets healthy enough to be back and you're certain of it, I think it's important for him to play so that that's no longer sitting on his mind. Obviously, you don't rush him back. Like if there's If there was a setback, if he felt something he shouldn't have felt and, and they confirm that, like it's more than just a little scar tissue breaking loose and he's still feeling it a couple of days later and they hold him out a little bit. Like I'm not saying put him back in before he's ready, but once he's ready, the idea of completely holding him out uh, all season, you know, whether it's for the purposes of tank or just for the purposes of rest, like if he's ready to play, it's so important. You do not want to be a goaltender going to the off season with that uncertainty hanging over you. Um, you need to know that you can get in there and make dynamic movements. Like he talked about, like that practice that he, the one before he talked to us, like was a real intense practice and he was making reactionary dynamic. He was in the chaos of the scramble drills and moving without any second thoughts. He wasn't thinking about how his body felt. And he, if he, if, when he gets back to that and feels he's ready to play, it's important that you let him play because you do not want him sitting on that sensation all summer. It, like This game's tough enough mentally for a goaltender. You don't want to add that uncertainty. So do you treat him maybe kids' gloves? I don't know if that's the right term, but do you, you're certainly not going to bring him back and be like, like, we can win five in a row. I'm going to ride him into the ground and play the wheels right off him, like they did last season, by the way. Um, you know, there's you're going you're gonna to handle it a little bit carefully. You're going to make sure... You know, he's not playing too often. He has time to continue to do the work to manage his body. And you're not going to overtax him. But I do think if he's good to go, it's really important that you give him an opportunity to get out there in live action and be like, yeah, okay, this all still works. And I can go into the summer confident that my body's going to be ready to go by the start of next season rather than no matter what I do training all summer, no matter what drills I get into with a goalie coach, nothing's like real game action. And the uncertainty of how it will react in that real game action is not something you want him thinking about all summer long. Talking to Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine, In Goal Radio Podcast, NHL.com. Uh, I, I do want to focus on the Eastern Conference playoff rates a bit here and some of the goalies that are going through it because it's suddenly become really interesting. Teams vying for those uh, two wild card spots because um, Pittsburgh and Washington starting to slip up a bit. But, you know, Detroit has thrust themselves back into the conversation. We just saw them roll through town and Willie Husso in the last month. He's got a 926 save percentage. Uh, what's working right now with him in Detroit? Uh, I mean, 
you saw it here. Like his game was always one that I think translates well to the new NHL. He holds edges. He holds skates. He's got a lot of patience. Uh, he beats east-west plays up. He doesn't overcommit early to his knees or slide because he's not the biggest guy. Can't get away with that. Um, I, I, I'm not going to compare him to UC Soros because nobody moves like UC Soros. But on the scale of patience and skating, like he's towards that end of it. Those are the strengths of his game. There's an act, active sort of style at play here. Um, and, and a movement ability and an efficiency that allows him to sort of beat plays set square and upright um, better than a lot of goalies. And so there was probably going to be a transition period behind a new team in terms of the reads and the way they defend. And I, actually, I thought he's been pretty good all season long. He's just on a bit of a heater right now. Like last mm -hmm. night, it was Magnus Helberg, um, who's just a giant in the net. So like, I think Detroit led by Larkin and boy, does that create an interesting situation for the Red Wings, much like the Canucks were set to face with Bo Horvat in terms of sign him or trade him. Um, I, like, I don't even know that they're leaning that heavily on the goaltending right now, Bick. Like, it's everything else in the team game, offensively, how they defend, and the goaltending, like, it's a piece of it. But I don't know that you're pointing at it, you're going, man, like, this is this is fueled by a heater, by a goaltender. Mm -hmm. um, they're just being really solid back there, which probably actually bodes better than if it was being fueled by a goaltending heater because eventually those run out. Uh, is is Florida right now uh, someone that's on a goaltending heater? And I know we we spend so much focus on Bobrovsky because of the big ticket uh, that goes along He's been with good. it. Yeah, and it, it's a nine thirty save percentage here recently, and it, it's it's kind of par for the course with Bobrovsky. That there can be a stretch where it's bad, and we go, oh well, it's ten million dollars, and then when he's good, he almost doesn't get credit for it. Yeah, and it's it, it, I mean, I guess what worries you maybe a little bit is the inconsistency because I'll be honest, like like overall it's been bad for a large chunk of the season, right? Like he was playing well below expected. Um, Spencer Knight, as we talked about, has struggled this year as well. Um, you know, across the board, you're not seeing necessarily great numbers from Florida Panthers goaltenders this season. And so, you know, I do, you know, as much as like the Panthers in the past couple of years, as much as the focus has gone on the goaltending, it's been because the environment is so goaltending friendly and there are times when they've underperformed it. And then on the flip side, like Chris Dreger goes in there behind a really goalie favorable environment and has success and ends up leaving to Seattle. And, and, and like, I like Chris Dreger and I like a lot about his game. But if you looked at the numbers, they were fueled largely by how well this team defends. They're playing a different style now. Obviously, we know the personnel changes they made in the offseason. There is a little bit more of a defending focus under Paul Maurice, just as there was when he was with the Winnipeg Jets. And I think the goaltenders are benefiting from that right now. And Bob's been good. He's just had to be good in moments. It's not like, like again, it's not like he's had to stand on his head. And that's all they really need in Florida. Uh, the other one I was looking at is Buffalo right now. And I just happen to be looking at Linus Allmark, too, at the same time in Boston. I just I, I couldn't help but think of, like, what a great what if this would be if, if he had stayed in Buffalo. Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, it's more than a what if. They thought it was done. Yeah. Um, and they had to panic in free agency uh, when when he ultimately left. And that's how they ended up with Craig Anderson, um, which, as it turns out, you know, is, is not a bad thing. I Here's the thing with Buffalo and goaltending. I'm not necessarily worried about their goaltending. Um, Craig Anderson's adjusted numbers are fine. Obviously, you know you can't play him too much because of the age. Um, 
it's odd to me in a way, and I know he's been better of late compared to how he started the season, but they seem eager to put Ukopeka Lukanen into that number one role. And yet when I look at the adjusted numbers of all three guys, like he's got the worst ones. He's the only of the three that are below expected. Everyone crapped all over Eric Comrie. Um, I know his raw numbers aren't great. Eric Comrie has the lowest expected save percentage in the National Hockey League. Like the lowest pick in large part because he was the guy that was in net when that team was missing Michael Samuelson, when they ran into all those injuries on the back end after their hot start, and they started just bleeding grade-A chances. Mm -hmm. So Comrie got the majority of those games, so his raw numbers look terrible, but his adjusted numbers are just fine. Like, when I look around, like, I I hear this argument that Buffalo just needs a goaltender, and... You know, depending on how they feel, how much they feel they can play Craig Anderson, there aren't, like, it is not a deep list of names around the league that would be, at least statistically, an upgrade on Craig Anderson. Like, it's a pretty short list. So, um, I don't know if that's so much Buffalo needs to figure out their goaltending unless they're going to go all in for someone, like, unless they're going to rely on goaltending for hero status, save the day. Um, Like, to me, it's more about, getting everyone healthy on the back end and getting back to playing a game that doesn't lean so heavily on their goaltenders. I don't mind who they have there. Um, And again, the biggest question is how much can you play Craig Anderson? But when he has played, there's very few guys in the league that are, you know, it's a short list of guys that are statistically a significant upgrade on what Craig Anderson has given them in a small sample this year. Uh, I do want to end with uh, Calgary, uh, even Sutter last night saying, Hey, you know, kind of pointing at the goaltending, and it was it was a t- tough scenario. You know, he's always regarded as, like, this is the environment to try to be a goalie in, but um, Markstrom having his issues uh, right now in Calgary, I've always wondered is, is, if it's a stylistic fit between the two because the mental component of having to play under Daryl Sutter in that system where you might not get a lot of action, uh, is that the biggest hindrance right now for Markstrom? I thought Markstrom handled it just fine last year. It was something I, that I actually did point to uh, when the coaching change was made would be an adjustment for Jacob. Um, but I honestly thought he handled that pretty well. Like To me, the one part about Daryl Sutter teams that hasn't held true this year is the amount they give up off the rush. Mm-hmm. Um, 20th in the league, 5-on-5 five five in terms of great A's off the rush. Like They give up a lot of quality off the rush. Uh, I don't know that you're necessarily playing to Jacob's strengths in that situation, clearly he struggled. It, like, it's funny. He was so good. We all focus on Jake Ottinger in that first-round series between Calgary and Dallas. But, right. like, like they don't get to seven. Like, Mark Sherman in a tough spot where he wasn't busy, where the other guy's standing on his head. Like, that can be so challenging mentally to watch the other guy play like this while you're just gathering dust. And I thought Jacob handled it really well. And all of a sudden he goes into the series against Edmonton, and I know they're missing Chris Tanev and the defense was exposed. But it's like they broke him. Like the Edmonton Oilers broke Jacob Markstrom because he hasn't really been the same since. Um, He looks unsettled in net. He has changed some of his movement patterns from when he was here. I think the idea was to quiet his game. And yet, by going to sort of one stance instead of a multiple stance system with the goal of quieting his game, he just gets into that one stance but then moves around a whole bunch. Like he looks so unsettled at times. Um, he'll get into his stance and he'll sort of skull back and forth in the crease, in and out, in and out, in and out. Like he's, he's rarely sort of sad. And it's almost like by trying to make him less busy, he's still like, to me, he's always going to be a busy goaltender and that's fine. Cause 
the way he was playing, he managed it. Now it, it just doesn't look confident. And, you know, I think the problems in Calgary, like I understand it's really easy to point at goaltending. Um, like, like I said, the most dangerous chances they give up are, or you can give up are off the rush and that's where they're the worst. It's still a favorable environment on an end zone plane. It's still a favorable environment five on five overall. Um, and so it's easy to put the focus on goaltending, but you know, the more I hear, um, from people in and around that team and inside that locker room, um, you know, the more I, I wonder if this is, you know, you know, frankly, this is this is as much as Daryl wants to point at goaltending. Uh, I think there are a lot of people around that organization are starting to wonder uh, if the guy who's doing the pointing, uh, the finger pointing, might not be the one who's the biggest problem in Calgary with the Flames. So take me through that really quickly. Just the idea of like that the the stance with Marshall. Like, what locks up first? Then is it core? Is it hips? Is it the skates? Is it eyes? Like, like what's the thing that stops him flowing it all together? Well, I, I like so anytime you're moving extra, Bic, like. Game is about, in its simplest terms as a goaltender, the game's still about set and square. Um, set and square on the shot gives you the best chance. As soon as you're moving, um, you're transferring weight, right? Like, it's you can't move left to right without balancing your weight from one skate to the other. You can't skull in and out without, you know, sort of putting your weight on one skate and then the other. And as soon as you're doing that, you are running the risk of having the weight on the wrong skate when the puck is released, when the puck is shot. Uh, I do think that the the one stance he's using now when he retreats off the rush um, leaves him a little flat along the goal line. So his plays get deeper into the end zone and he's retreating in a, in a way that, you know, think of him as, as just basically retreating in a straight line flat, like, like parallel to the goal line. So as a play comes down the wing, you're no longer squaring up with it. Right. You're retreating and you're losing angle on the far side. And there's been like, for sure, it's something I would look at if I was doing, if I was scouting and, and talking to players. I'd be shooting far side on that all day, um, because that's where pucks will leak through, and we've seen a little bit of that. Uh, I, I just, you know, and then when you get uncertainty in your reads and your execution, that's when you sort of see that in and out and that in and out. And and again, when you're moving, it means you're not set. And if you're moving more often than you're like, the more you move, the more chances you have of getting caught moving when a shot's on its way, when a pass is on its way, and it just adds delays. I do think that, you know, in the past, before he sort of discovered the high-end Jacob Markstrom here, he wasn't a guy that I thought watched the puck very well, and it used to sound absurd, and then I'd show people video, I'm like, you tell me where he's looking, and the puck would be right underneath his vision, like he wouldn't be visually attached to it at all. And there are times I see within that movement now where he's sort of back to that. Like, I don't think he's tracking um, as much as maybe tracking is not, not a focus when he was here specifically, I just don't think he's tracking as well now um, in Calgary as he was when he was here. That's awesome stuff. Uh, every time we chat, I feel like I get a little bit smarter about the goalie position. We appreciate it as always, man. My pleasure, Bic. Uh, I don't know if I make anyone smarter, but I appreciate you saying it. <laughs> That's our guy, Kevin Woodley, at uh, Kevin is in goal on Twitter. Again, in goal radio podcast and in goal magazine at NHL.com. All right, we got to get out of the way. Canucks Central coming up. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shots Friday. That means the Friday mailbag. Get those submissions in. Uh, 650-650. And you can also uh, tweet at Satyar Shot at Dan Riccio underscore. They're on the way. Have a good weekend. We'll see you tomorrow. Myself, Satyar Shaw, on the postgame show. Big game against the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll see what uh, the charged-up Tortorella-led Philadelphia Flyers got for the Canucks tomorrow. Have a good weekend. We're out of here.